0: I'm Candace Lim.
1: And I'm Luke Winky, and you're listening to I See Why Am I.
0: In case you missed it.
1: Slate's podcast about internet culture.
0: And Luke, welcome to the show. How are you feeling? Do you have like any New Year's resolutions you want to share on the pod today? Any ways we can help keep you accountable?
1: You know, Candace, every year, honestly, for the last like five years, I've said I want to read more books. Mm. But here I am in early January mm-hmm. to talk about TikTok with you. <laughs>
0: I mean, what is TikTok but not a video book? hmm? Now, listeners, as you can tell, Rachel is not here today because she is flying into Scotland to make a surprise appearance on this week's episode of The Traitors. Yes, that is allegedly true. But today, Slate writer Luke is going to help me parse through the mailbag because so much internet has happened over the past few weeks. Luke... We haven't talked in a while, actually. So I just wanted to ask, is there like a tweet or a video you saw online that you like really loved and like maybe wanted to share with me today?
1: Yeah. So I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to highlight a meme I made a week ago that went semi-viral on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, The format is the anxiety-ridden couple in bed, that that stock image of that man and the woman in bed. So our wife here is in bed Wondering if her husband is thinking about other girls, which is the standard. (laughs) The husband is actually wondering how on earth the students in Saltburn, uh, the (gasps) film from last year, are all listening to 2007-era MGMT and Arcade Fire and Cold War Kids, and they're watching Mm -hmm. Superbad on DVD. Mm -hmm. When the movie does open in Oxford, welcoming the class of 2006, which means it should be 2002, which is an indie sleaze crime as far as I'm concerned. Uh Um, I will say, though... A handful of English people did reach out to me and let me know that in the UK, college classes are designated by matriculation, not graduation. So it does sort of take place in 2006. uh, But that is still weird and confusing as far as I'm concerned.
0: Wow. I mean, we should have been on Internet Diaries because you're like a meme creator. So this actually should have been about you. Um, I'm really glad you brought this up. Should we have saltburn discourse on the pod like right now? Did you did you like it or hate it? Let's start there.
1: I feel like we missed the boat a little bit with Saltburn discourse. Sure. Um, my fiance showed it to me, kind of knowing that I wouldn't like it.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: really didn't, but I still keep thinking about it. So now I'm I'm starting <laughs> to kind of doubt myself of maybe I do really like it. I don't know. It it is definitely living rent-free in my head. There's no doubt about
0: that. I'm with you in that. Like I'm not gonna say this deserves like an award, but did I have fun? Did I Dance, dance, dance. Absolutely. And Jacob Awaldi yeah. Hive. Rise up. Was
1: there blood on the dance floor?
0: Oh, my God. There was so much blood on the dance floor. I love that song. That's the thing. Like, this is the new running up that hill, right? And, like, what's the problem with that? What's the problem with residues <laughs> and streams in 2023? Anyway, can I share mine with you?
1: Yeah, no, please. I, I, I'm i waiting with bated breath over here.
0: Okay. So the tweet I'm going to share with you was posted on Christmas. Therefore, it is Jesus approved. But it is from a Twitter account called at ThickyLeaks let it go. And the caption is thinking about the person catfishing as John Green in the Maryland suburbs in the year 2023. And it is a screenshot of someone who was using like the John Green, the author of The Fault in Our Stars, the guy from Vlogbrothers as their Tinder profile. And then it says like he's new here. It says he's 11 miles away. And it still says his name is John. But the worst part is it says he's 29 years old.
1: (laughs) That's so wrong that you can't do that.
0: There's so much wrong here. And the thing is, like, me and Luke, we're not being ageist. Guys, John Green is 46 years old. And if you're 29 years old, you know who John Green is. And I just feel like these photos, they're also the first thing you see when you type up, like, John Green in Google Images. And the replies are pretty great. You know, there's one person saying, oh, my God, he looks so rough for 29. I'm crying. (laughs) Someone wrote, what Maryland suburbs? Like, literally, what area? Which is very, like, asking for a friend, but the friend is me. I just have to say, I'm, like, very inspired by this.
1: You know, not a bad looking guy, also. I do sort of get it. Yeah. Um, the question for you though, if you did not grow up as a, a nerd nerdfighter, not implying mm. that you did, but just assuming mm. that you were a vlog brother girl growing up and did not know that this was a catfish, would you have swiped <laughs> right?
0: <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm gonna give you the better answer, which is that because I'm a nerdfighteria, I would have because I would have catfished him back because (laughs) did you read that story about like women using Bumble to match with and like catch January 6th rioters and then like turn their identities to the police? Like this is an example of Tinder for good. And Luke, I'm going to turn the question to you. Would you have swiped on 29 year old John Green?
1: Yeah, I've given some thought to this. He's not exactly my type, but um, I do appreciate that whoever this person is, decided that John Green is the perfect person to, like, catfish with rather than, like, Jacob Elordi or something or some right. more generically right. hot person. Even Barry Keegan, yeah. for that matter. Uh, it brings to mind that scene from The Simpsons where Lisa is, like, reading a magazine and the title of the magazine is just non-threatening boys. That, that appears to be <laughs> the, the demographic this particular catfish is going after.
0: A hundred percent. Oh, my God. Well, Luke, I'm so excited to have you on the show today because we're going to take a short break. But when we come back, we're going to dive into the mailbag and answer your questions about why cups and tunnels are flooding the timeline. Hey there. If you love our podcast, then maybe you should consider subscribing to Slate Plus. With Slate Plus, there are no ads on any Slate podcasts. And Slate Plus helps keep this podcast going because this show would not be possible without your support. With Slate Plus, you'll get bonus segments and episodes for shows like Dear Prudence, Amicus, and Culture Gab Fest. You'll also never hit a paywall on the Slate website, meaning you get access to every article and every advice column. Just visit Slate.com slash Plus to sign up. That's Slate.com slash Plus. And we're back. Okay, Luke, let me start here. There have been two names popping up all over beverage Twitter. Do you want to guess what their names are?
1: I believe we are speaking about the fine cabsovs of Josh Sellers and perhaps Stanley tumblers.
0: Yeah, you're right. Okay, let's start with Josh. Now, if you've ever perused like the wine section of a Target, you might have seen like a white label named Josh, and this is a pretty regular wine. It costs around like six to eighteen dollars, but it's been making the rounds on Twitter because it sounds like this is the first time people are like hearing about this brand. Luke, talk to me. Are you aware of Josh Wine? If so, what is your history with him?
1: No, I, my introduction to Josh happened the past week. I, I think like most people on the Internet, these memes were the first I've heard of Josh. Um, full disclosure, growing up in San Diego, California, we were more of a yellowtail family with our <laughs> cheap wine consumption.
0: There you go. There you go. OK, now, could I give you some like history about Josh Wine?
1: I would, yes, I've been dying to know more.
0: All right. So Josh Sellers was started in 2007. It was created by Joseph Carr, who wanted to dedicate this brand to his father. What do you think his name is, Luke?
1: James, but goes by Josh. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so it's Josh. And this is a California <laughs> brand. Shout out to me and Luke because we are also California brands. That's right. And they make everything from like Cabernet Sauvignons to Merlots to Sauvignon Blancs. Now, if I was a good host, I'd bring some samples into the studio and let the Josh wine talk. But Luke, let's read some tweets that got the girls aka you going.
1: Yeah, like so like you said, I think the Josh memes are really centralized on Twitter, and it all started with someone named At Optimus Grind with two underscores, <laughs> who tweeted a picture of Josh Wine with the caption, quote I'm not going to keep telling y'all to grow up and leave that (laughs) Stella and Barefoot alone. Of course, referring to Stella and Barefoot, uh, Josh's compatriots on the cheap wine uh, contingency.
0: There you go. And I think what this tweeter is trying to say is that like if you're going to go for a cheaper wine, go for a Josh over Stella, Rosa or Barefoot.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I have to say the replies to this tweet are actually kind of sweet. You have Mm -hmm. a lot of like citizen sommeliers chiming in, giving their own recommendations, their their own thoughts Mm -hmm. on Josh wine saying, if you think it's Josh too sweet, maybe try this. Or if you want something a little drier, try that. It's all pretty wholesome at its root, which is kind of nice.
0: Yeah. And it feels like an episode of Grand Crew, a show that I love. Now, I will say Optimus Grind has already started some commotion within me because, like, as a consumer of barefoot boxed wine, don't make <laughs> me defend her in the target aisle. But nonetheless, Luke, give me more tweets. Well,
1: yeah, I mean, like we said, I think we this blew up because like me, it sounds like a lot of people didn't realize Josh wine was even a thing. And they learned about these wines from the memes. And they're mainly dunking on, you know, the name Josh, which doesn't exactly sound Italian or French. It's it's pretty pedestrian.
0: <laughs> that is true. It's it's kind of like giving your dog a very human name. Like Josh doesn't exactly exude Friday nights watching HBO.
1: Not at all. Um, I mean, so here's a tweet from Marcus. It says, last night we let the Josh talk, which I believe you referenced earlier. Um, we have another one with a photo of Drake, the rapper. There's been a lot of actually Drake, <laughs> Josh memes I've seen. Uh, this one says, girl, this wine expensive. This ain't Drake and Josh. Which does actually sound like a late era Drake, uh, Drake bar.
0: Uh huh. And I think I saw one where like someone photoshopped the bottle of wine onto a title card from the show Drake and Josh. Like... This keeps replicating. And so I want to ask, is this funny? Like, is this meme funny to you?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt the memes are funny and a bottle of wine that says Josh is funny. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think that's subjective, but they do make me sort of feel bad for the fine folks at Josh Sellers who... It needs to be said, seem to be putting out a pretty quality product. Um, I am currently writing a story for Slate's about this trend, and I have reached out to the fine folks at Wine Spectator. I interviewed someone who runs a website called Honest Wine Reviews. They all give Josh pretty high marks, like in the <laughs> 80 to 89 out of 100 range, which is like pretty good. And Wine Spectator guy told me they taste test Josh blind alongside other way more expensive wines and still get those good reviews. So you could do a lot worse than sipping on the Josh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is so funny. And I also saw that Josh sellers actually like responded to the trend on their Instagram. Now, here's the thing. Let's go two ways, right? They could either play along and be like, ha ha ha. Yeah, Josh is a weird name for a wine. Or they could like push back and get petty. Which way do you think they went?
1: Well, it sounds like they took the high road because they posted like their own memes on Instagram. And I think it's poking fun at how unprepared they were for the Twitter discourse, which if you are running a winery, why would you be prepared for Twitter discourse? <laughs> um, uh, so there's three slides on this one of these memes they made. And one of them is a guy on a phone with meme text that said, live, look at a guy named Josh emailing a guy named Stanley.
0: Wow. Okay. Now, that's actually a perfect segue Mm -hmm. to a way more prevalent, almost (laughs) economy-busting internet story, which is the Stanley Cup.
1: You know, I'm not a water bottle guy at all. Um, I don't follow the industry. uh, So this has all been pretty brand new and exciting for me.
0: Mm -hmm, Yeah. And I find both Stanley Cups and Josh Wines to be like a very funny topic because these are two brands that have been around for years. So maybe let's try to pinpoint why they're popping now. Some backstory. Stanley. It is a brand that makes insulated bottles. And this invention goes all the way back to like 1913 when someone named William Stanley Jr. invented the steel vacuum sealed bottle. And it was used by like pilots in World War II and construction workers and hikers and campers.
1: Can you imagine William Stanley looking down at us now and being like, why have the TikTokers forsaken me? Like he created this (laughs) stone canteen for war pilots flying missions over Germany and now Uh preteens are fighting for it at Target.
0: Exactly. And I mean, like, let's fast forward to 2016 when the modern Stanley company releases the quencher. And it's this design that like you're all probably familiar with. It's like an insulated cup with a straw coming out the top. There's a big handle and a twist lid. It comes in every color. It can hold from like 14 to 64 ounces of liquid. And I guess the biggest sell here is that the bottom is tapered so it can fit in like car holders, right?
1: It can fit in car holders and uh, the insulation part is also a big sell because it can keep drinks hot for five hours and cold for like nine hours. Mm -hmm. And I think the adult sippy cup design is also pretty appealing, but I should note that these aren't exactly cheap. The quencher model that you just referenced costs an average of $45. And again, I don't know the water bottle industry, but that seems like a lot. And just like everything good in the world, of course, the resellers are on this. They're going on eBay and selling limited edition Stanley Cups for like hundreds of dollars. TikTok is all over it. The hashtag Stanley brand has over 65 million views. Hashtag Stanley Tumblr has over a billion views. And I'm assuming (laughs) Stanley Cup Reddit is lit.
0: Oh, yeah. Because I found this subreddit called Hydro Homies, which I feel like is the perfect community for this discussion. By the way, the first pinned post I saw on that subreddit was called a new rule for addressing subreddit toxicity because people were (laughs) gatekeeping allegedly. (laughs) Now, Stanley content has absolutely taken over many, many other subreddits. But let's get to the question of why now? Because like we said, Stanley cups have been around for years.
1: Right. So I think it might have started with this online shopping blog called The Buy Guide. It was founded by these three women who basically write gift guides and recommendations. but They also put products up on their website and sell them. So, they were early advocates of the Stanley Cup lifestyle to the point that they were contacted by the Stanley Company and said, Hey, you should start marketing this to women and use affiliate marketing tactics to get them.
0: Yeah. And this is like using promo code Luke20 or like Lincoln Bio.
1: Yeah, if you listen to podcasts, you're aware of this marketing strategy for sure. So the demand was there, apparently, uh, because you could order these wholesale. So the blog ordered 10,000 units of these cups, and they sold the first half in four days and the second half in one hour. They were moving products.
0: And this kind of becomes like the mommy blogger boom for Stanley Cups because, yes, it is exclusive Tumblrs and it's Instagram ads, but it's also brand collaborations with people like Pendleton and Target. Target. They have done multiple collabs with Stanley, including one with Chip and Joanna Gaines. Like, I mean, let's talk about what happened on New Year's Eve.
1: Right. So Stanley has this kind of hype beast drop model. Like if you're buying Supreme or something, where they Mm. release certain product lines within a time frame until they sell out. And this draws in both the people who earnestly want to be the first to get these products and the resellers who want to stock up and sell $100 Stanley cups on eBay. So Target announces that on New Year's Eve, they're going to be dropping a limited edition, quote, Stanley plus Starbucks line, which is actually part of their Galentine's (laughs) collection, which is odd because it's not February. Valentine's Day is kind of a a ways away. But whatever, all you need to know that basically these are just pink and red tumblers. Like that's all there is to it.
0: Right. And I would argue nothing super special about them at first glance, no. but they apparently drew attention.
1: They drew attention in crowds because people reportedly started camping outside overnight at Target stores to get their hands on these cups. And I want to play this TikTok of a dad who waited overnight with his daughter for this specific Valentine's Cup. We spent
2: the night at Target for the new Stanley Starbucks cup. Yes, I know what you're thinking. It's a cup. Why What are you doing? On the other hand, I love my daughter and we were bored. So we got there like at 1.40 in the morning and it was a ghost town because it was Target in the middle of the night. But once we saw the cup, we knew we were in the right spot. We brought the new puppy with us and just waited for people to show up. And they did, so we hopped out of the car, brought the chairs, and made sure we were first in line. So it was almost 3 o'clock in the morning and that's when people started to show up. I mean, these people are dedicated. We just watched one by one and the line was massive. And it was cold, like... 40 degrees cold, but we got through it and I ordered Whataburger delivered in line, so if you know, you know how you done. At this point, the store's about to open and look at this line. Guys, are, are we okay? No. The answer is no. This lady came out to make sure we didn't burn the place down and once the doors were open, it was go time. And for the most part, it was pretty calm. There wasn't much looting or rioting, just a few small fires. That's it. And finally, we got one. Just one, because Target's doing this one Stanley per household thing. I don't know. Either way, we're tired, we're hungry, it's over, and it's time to enjoy the sweet taste of victory.
0: Not him pulling the father of daughter's line. I mean, there is so much here. First, it is December. It is cold. And there are so many people in this line. It is extending into the parking lot. Second, I feel like the Stanley Cup conversation has been poking a lot of fun at like women who invest and buy these cups in masses. But if you look at this video, there are dudes in that line. So Stanley, he comes for all of us.
1: Right, totally. And there's a part of the video where he jokes that it was all civil and there was no rioting or looting, which has apparently happened at other more unlucky target locations. I still can't get over that all of this is happening over a water bottle, which is such a boring and utilitarian product. I mean... Pokemon cards have some real cachet and history and they're holographic, right?
0: Exactly. Like, I think it's funny that these are our Beanie Babies, but I think it's interesting how there's different conversations happening on different platforms because, you know, I feel like the pro Stanley Cup people, they are on Reddit and Facebook and TikTok posting hauls, mountains of their 50 cups. And then you go to Twitter and it seems like people are vilifying the trend or like making fun of those who love the cups. And there is something to be said about like well, having one cup is fine, but why would you need 50? Isn't that going like against the sustainability you so claim to achieve? But the colors and the customization, like that must be part of the fun and the game of collecting these.
1: Yeah, and it also it's probably the continued superiority of the drop model, right? I mean, mm. false scarcity is is undefeated with stuff like this.
0: Exactly. And I should note that um, I wish I could sit here and say I don't get it. But as someone who has publicly declared my membership to the Bath and Body Works candle community, okay. I can't say I'm like completely innocent here because it is about collecting, and it's about like the worry that the sense or the specific cup will go out of production, so I need to get it now, or else I never will.
1: Right, and I, I guess that leaves you with just one question, which is, mm. where is the ICYMI collaboration Stanley Cup? I, I, I thought mm-hmm. I was going to be getting one of these mm-hmm. for coming on the show.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Luke check your bag because inside that bag, you'll also find the rest of this episode. So let's take a short break. And when we come back, Luke and I will talk about something humans and groundhogs have in common, which are tunnels. And we're back. Okay. So we got sent an email from ICY, my listener, Drew. Luke, can you read Drew's email?
1: Sure. Drew writes, who is tunnel lady? what are the tunnels for? Why? And then he repeats, why?
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for that question, Drew. Um, Luke, before we dive into this story, what do you know about hashtag tunnel girl?
1: You know what? Not as much as I'd like. Uh, with all of these tunneling stories recently, I have more questions than answers.
0: Okay. So the tunnel girl in question is Kala, who goes by the TikTok handle at engineering.everything. Kala is a woman in Northern Virginia, specifically Fairfax County, who is a software engineer by trade. And since October 2022, Kala has been posting TikToks that show her building a series of tunnels underneath her home.
3: I am about to embark on a new and complex project. I'm planning to construct a storm shelter off the side of my basement. Uh, It's going to take a very long time, a lot of engineering, And a lot of planning and work to make it happen. And I will be posting updates.
0: Now, Kala says that her initial purpose is to, like, build a storm shelter off the side of her basement. At some point, she says she's building a castle tower off the side of her house. Basically, she's building a secret tunnel or what she calls a suburban mine that is 20 feet below her home.
1: Yeah, and these videos are, like what I imagine engineering talk to be. She's welding, she's stacking cinder blocks, she's constructing an elevator. It's all very DIY. And she's been posting these regular update videos to more than 550,000 followers who seem really into it. Like they're giving her suggestions and asking questions and they're generally supportive, I'd say.
0: Yeah, I think so. And here's the thing. I want to take a second and just talk about like initial impressions, because from a safety perspective, this terrifies me. Like when I heard the story, the first question I asked was, is this legal? Because... Even if you, like, own the home, do you have the permits to just build a tunnel underneath it? And on top of that, Kala acknowledges that she does not have formal training to be, like, a civil engineer. And even though she's been, like, reading FEMA manuals on shelters and safe rooms, she acknowledges how dangerous this project can be. Here's a TikTok where she talks about, like, the dangers of welding underground.
3: Welding in a confined space can be very hazardous, especially if it's a tinderbox. I have been working in my tunnel, engineering form supports, and the space is full of sawdust and plentiful combustible material.
0: And that music, like, I just think what surprised me the most is that she is not alone because this is a real thing. It is called Hobby Tunneling, and some of them meet up on the subreddit called Digging. And other tunnels have gone viral in the past, but maybe what stands out is two things. One. This is all being documented on TikTok. You know, there's footage and updates. There's this very realistic timeline of how long this takes and how hard it is. Second, hobby tunneling or even construction does have this reputation as like a male skewing hobby or job. And so watching Kala do this seemingly on her own, it does pique the Internet's interest because we have not seen many women go viral for attempting this.
1: Yeah, I will say that blue collar work does seem to do well on the algorithm. Like, we've had a ton of viral farmers and viral lumberjacks. uh, But we need to be clear, uh, this project has not entirely been smooth sailing. Like, back in August of 2023, Kala posted a TikTok about a fire erupting in the tunnel.
3: I've come to know a new drawback using fiberglass rebar apologize for the poor camera work. This is my first time using a fire extinguisher and I'm a bit in a
1: panic. And then in December, she posted a TikTok about getting a call from some officials who said her project was getting shut down. For context, the zoning department called her on the phone and she reenacted the conversation with a voice actor playing the role of Jimmy from the zoning department.
3: This is Jimmy Jones with the zoning department. Brian with inspections. What can I do for you? We have some complaints. Basically, there's some construction going on. And we were just here, basically, to find out there is and see what needs to be done. Uh, what kind of construction? Uh, basically, they said it's excavation. They you're pulling stuff out of the basement. Yeah, a little bit. Can we go down and take a look? Sure. Okay.
1: Kala says they gave her a stop work order and that a professional engineer has to come down and inspect the tunnel. And she said she doesn't expect this to stop their project for too long, but the reason she even got the call in the first place were these complaints about the noise and questionable shaking from people living near the tunnel. And this is where the story turns a bit, because a reporter from Reveal actually looked into this and talked to some of Kala's neighbors after the stop work order was issued.
4: Hi, my name is Aura Bogado, and I'm an investigative reporter. Several weeks ago, after I noticed that Kayla had posted a video of one of her neighbors without his consent, and that she had made really clear that her neighbors had no idea what was going on, I decided to try and figure out who those neighbors were. So I found out where she lived, and I noticed that almost all of her neighbors are Central American migrants or first-gen immigrants. Um, I began contacting them. Uh, Most of them are Spanish-language speakers, and not one, not one, knew about this tunnel project. Um, They're really worried about uh, their health and their safety. They talked to me about noise, like tremendous noise, essentially noise pollution, and shaking, like just random shaking in the ground that they didn't realize where it was coming from. And several neighbors expressed to me that They were worried about reporting anything because they don't want to get entangled with immigration authorities and they don't want to be deported. So those are some of the stakes for the neighbors here.
1: And so there's some conversation here about Kala not clearing this with her neighbors and the possibility that she might have disrupted their lives the past year without taking into account that they might be hesitant to complain because of their status. And as of this recording, I don't think construction has picked back up again. So this might be the end of Tunnel Girl.
0: Right. And the story has obviously brought in a lot of different sectors of the Internet from, like, construction Reddit to engineering TikTok to just, like, local DMV residents. What is your take on this project? Like, were you fascinated? Did the Internet's fascination surprise you at all?
1: No, not at all. I mean, the Internet tends to adore people who are super passionate about a niche interest. And I think whatever you say about Tunnel Girl, it's clear that she's doing what she loves. (laughs)
0: That is true. That is true. And I think this story hits on like another pretty 2023 trend, which is people have been calling her tunnel girl when she's in fact a woman with like a nine to five job doing this hard labor and excavation. And I will be so honest that the idea of people just... Digging tunnels under their houses without getting like a sign off or permits, it really freaks me out. This just seems so dangerous. And the thing about TikTok is that when you see someone do something, you think like, oh, I can do that too, right? It's the life hackification of social media. And so I can't help but think like, man, how many people watched Kala's videos and just started digging tunnels? Like, I don't even really care about the why. Just like how many of my neighbors (laughs) have been digging tunnels and hitting my water lines because of this.
1: I think it's a valid fear, but the one thing I suppose you can say is that digging a tunnel looks to be really hard, really boring work, like so much harder than it might appear on like a 30-second TikTok video. So I could imagine people being inspired by Tunnel Girl and going out and digging a hole in their backyard and (laughs) quickly hitting a wall and giving up without (laughs) making too much progress.
0: You're right. You're right. And I also have to say that, like, Kala, she has a lot of confidence because wasn't it kind of inevitable that the zoning department would get her? Like, she's been posting these TikToks showing footage, carbon monoxide tests, equipment for over a year. And when they do get her, she's like, oh, don't worry. I'll get the permits easy peasy. Like, there is a certain type of bravado here that I wish I could bottle and sell.
1: It, it's an insane amount of confidence. I am also sort of curious to know just, how deep you need to get before the cops step in. But she does live outside of D.C., right? So Mm -hmm. maybe when the bureaucrats get involved and they see this woman who knows a lot about geology and has a gung-ho attitude about tunneling, maybe she'll be working for the government (laughs) before the end of the year.
0: (laughs) That is super true. I mean, if you thought this was the only tunnel being built online, guys, you were very wrong. Because, Luke, if I may reveal, you have a geographic connection to another certain tunnel in Brooklyn, yeah? Yeah.
1: Yes, there is a tunnel under Eastern Parkway. Um, This was huge news locally and a hell of a way to start the year.
0: (laughs) Okay, so you are like the local reporter on the ground. Tell me what's going on.
1: Oh, boy. Okay, so on January 8th of this year, the NYPD was called to a synagogue. And this synagogue is the headquarters of the Chabad Lubavitch movement, which is a sect of Hasidic Jews. So we're in Crown Heights and the police are called because apparently young men in this community have built a passage or let's be real, a tunnel under the HQ. And it's believed that the tunnel started in the basement of an empty apartment building behind the headquarters that went through the offices and lecture halls before connecting to the synagogue.
0: Oh my God. And like, did they find out why they were building this tunnel?
1: No, not exactly. All we know is that this was being built in secret. And once the leaders of the synagogue found out, they were like, not on our watch. So the leaders brought in a cement truck to fill in the tunnel. And the alleged builders of the tunnel were not happy. How could you be when someone fills your tunnel up with cement? Um, They tried to block the truck. They broke through a wall in the prayer space. Once NYPD was called, they were literally fighting with the cops. So nine people ended up getting arrested here.
0: And what do we know about these guys who allegedly may have built the tunnel or at least wanted the tunnel?
1: Well, a spokesperson for Chabad said the tunnel was created by a group of extremist students, and they were basically trying to hurry up the expansion of the headquarters. For like 30 years, there was talks about expanding the space, but it was a source of conflict and never got solved. Again, this is early days. I don't think we will have the full story here for a while. But what we do know is at some point, apparently these guys were like, this is taking too long. Let's just <laughs> get get started with this expansion and let's, let's dig this tunnel.
0: <laughs> right. And so let's talk about the Internet of it all. Because, you know, the first thing I saw when this story broke was a video of someone taking a tour through this tunnel and there's like a guy covered in dust. There's other videos of members pulling panels off meeting rooms, emerging from said tunnel, getting sprayed on by police. Like this scene is so chaotic.
1: Yeah. And the guys who ended up getting arrested were charged with things like criminal mischief and reckless endangerment. But it's still crazy that it all centered around what seemed to be a pretty harebrained scheme involving a tunnel like how do you exactly expand the headquarters by digging underground?
0: Right. And a lot of news footage has been talking about how this building is, like, famous. You know, they put it on merch. And so it's almost like someone said, hey, someone is trying to build a tunnel under Westminster Abbey. Like, what? <laughs> and I think bringing cell phones and, like, video footage into the space that is historic and secret and posting it on the social media is already kind of a shock in itself. Now, NBC New York, they did report that the tunnel has been filled and sealed off But I do want to ask, like, Luke, what is up with these tunnels? Why are people building tunnels? Let me just point out, they did this unpaid. This is not easy labor. This is muscles, hard hat type of stuff. So, like, why are they doing this on their off time?
1: Yeah, I do sort of wonder if that's the point. Like, the one way you can buck authority in life is by building a tunnel with your big, strong muscles, even if it doesn't really go anywhere, even if it's just a big hole in the ground. And, you know, I, I think this and Tunnel Girl are like perfect social media stories, because if you show me an entrance to a tunnel, I'm going to want to know what's down there. If it's 200 <laughs> B.C. or 2024, I want to know what's at the other end of that tunnel.
0: OK, that's the show. Many thanks to Luke Winky for joining me on today's show. You can find more of Luke's work on Slate.com. We'll be back in your feed on Wednesday, so definitely subscribe. That way you never miss an episode. Leave us a rating and a review on Apple or Spotify and tell your friends about us. You can follow us on Twitter at IcyYMI underscore pod. And you can always drop us a note at IcyYMI at Slate.com.
1: ICYMI is produced by Sierra Spragley-Ricks, Candice Lim, and Rachel Hampton, with a special thanks to Palash Shah. Daisy Rosario is our senior supervising producer, and Elisa Montgomery is Slate's VP of audio. See you online
0: or on Tunnel Talk.